0: Now that Ethan is with us, let's talk about that tweet.
1: One two five nine. preacher, servant, leader, rector, reverend, deacon, elder. What the hell?
0: Welcome to What the Hell Is a Pastor, a podcast about life and set apart ministry. Each week, we draw on our experiences and challenges as current and former pastors to figure out what the hell it is that pastors do and how to do it as best we can. So I, it's a whole big argument and see if I can send it to you sometime to see what you think, because you might mm. disagree. We might mm. find out about that now. But, but the idea, what I really wanted to push back about and what um, the original person who was pushing back against really right-wing Christianity in the US, um, uh, liberals like to say that right-wing Christians are not Christians. Uh, because they don't really follow the teachings of christ they don't follow in the way of jesus um and but the the pushback then has to be well no they they attend churches they claim the name of christ um and and they are functioning under this is something i didn't say in the tweet but it's something that i really feel they're functioning with christian privilege in in the u.s context anyway Mm -hmm. and so we have to consider them Christians, they're our problem. We don't get a pass, right? We don't get to say, well, they're not really Christians, they're heretics, and so I don't have to think about them anymore. Um, because like throughout the centuries, Christians have done things that if we think Jesus is a pacifist, that Christians should not have done, right? Crusades, et cetera. Um, holocausts etc um indigenous genocides and more um and if you're saying that uh while they're just pulling from old testament texts well that's anti-semitic friends like we can't say that either we also have to acknowledge the violence in the new testament like and i would argue that they're getting their ideas of a victorious christ from revelation which we were just talking about off the podcast. and, and this idea of, like, Christ's army from some of the symbols in Revelation and how it's been kind of passed down in tradition, whether it's in the text or not. I mean, I think it is, but mm. that's not the, really the question. The question is people are doing this in Christ's name. And so, therefore, we really have to combat fascism when we see it <laughs> and, like, combat it at its roots and uproot it. And, like, that's really what we have to do. But I think that it does nobody any favors to say that people on their religious right in the U.S. are not Christian. Christians. they're Christians and so therefore we should use our authority as other Christians to hold them accountable you know like that's that's part of being part of the body, body of Christ so that's the tweet uh, That's that was kind of the thread that I went on and I got like one person who pushed back on it um, but I like I am not the original author here so I'm not going to get all of the hate um, because I'm not a trans atheist so I have I have my Christian straight presenting privilege that helped me out there Um, But like, wait, what do we think constitutes a Christian? Do we do like the Protestant, sola fide, you just have to profess? Um, Or do we say that like maybe baptism is our bottom line for being a Christian? Or do you have to actively be engaged in like sanctification or following Christ? Like, is that what it means to be a Christian? Because then if so, there are many, many, many fewer Christians than we thought there were. Um, so, yeah, that's the kind of idea I want to tackle in our 20 minutes that we have. Whoever wants to start.
2: Well, there's at least, I mean, as a, a helpful or unhelpful it is, but there are uh, there's at least one story I can think of that involves sheep and goats and a separation being made. And sure. if you're just taking that as your principal text, yeah, a lot of it is down to how you are acting, not really your sort of epistemological standpoint you know anything like that um
0: but then, but then who sorts the sheep from the goats in the story that's the other thing for me is it's not our decision
2: oh no, yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's that's uh, you know big jc gets that one which is fair you know it's not i um there's this great line from oh gosh what's the band oh no one of these, mm, these early aughts heavy metal christian bands Oh, God, it could be anything. Demon. (laughs) No, no. The line is. No, it's not. It's definitely not Zayo. um, Damn, I don't remember. Anyway, their line is, uh, when I am God, the church is unsound. Ooh.
1: Oh, O Sleeper. oh Sleeper. Yeah, oh Sleeper. There it is.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Why is my brain so screwed up? I'm (laughs) well seen for that. Yeah.
0: It's a great line, though. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I mean,
2: there's as as often is the case there are ways in which the, the you know the problem at hand you can find threads all the way back into genesis about this about this sort of this sort of shifting blame game thing for example to say like oh it's not my fault it's the right the the christians from the far right you've left here with me um right when like if, if one of the one of the threads Eve to the far right? <laughs> I, no, no, I, not uh, no, no. I did by accident, no. I guess. No. My intent for this example, though, is just the notion of this, this shifting blame, right? Mm-hmm. That happens all the way down. Like, either when you remember Adam and Eve in one instance are showing up there as parables of as embodied parables of sins of omission and sins of commission, right? Sure, mm-hmm. Eve eats of the fruit in the narrative, but Adam is standing there the whole time.
0: Right, which is, right. Like, I feel like a very Catholic understanding that I'm realizing now my Protestant brain has never actually heard before, and I love.
2: Yeah. like <laughs> that, 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 that needs to be taken account of. And when the moment it comes for them to be responsible when they're called to account and says, oh wait, who told you you were naked, right? the instant that happens is it wasn't me. It was the lady. It was the person you put here with me. Well, you need to say lady. We just say, it's the other person you, you put here to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then similarly, there's this sort of bucket down where it goes, no, it wasn't me. It was, it was the snake. It was this other agent that maybe subhuman or something, you know, th- this other agent that we can sort of say uh, with ourselves that, you know, when we take this story, when we take the thread of the story to be about, a moment where you could have taken responsibility and you didn't.
0: Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm.
2: equally unhelpful to be like, "Oh, not those Christians. They're not really Christians." Like
1: sure.
0: ideological
2: purity tests can still be as unhelpful as a physical
0: purity tests, as it were. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that the the what makes the so I agree. We Joe and I talked about this off podcast over text when it first happened. And I still think about it because I think it's, there's so many kind of layers to both the original posters critique and then, and then how Joe worked with it, which I Mm. think is good. I I think the hard thing about the post is that we're ultimately working with various definitions of, of how to describe what we're seeing, right? Like within the Christian church, there, there are, and have always been, Self-critical apparatuses to like determine uh, within the family, you know, who is who is right or wrong, or or needs to repent or doesn't need to repent, like, and that's just as problematic as many other things. I'm not here to just to, to defend that in you know in the abstract, but I am here to defend that in the concrete. Like, part of what we're talking about is Christians taking responsibility for the family. Mm-hmm. and saying like from a from a within the family within the tradition we need to be able to say to you know x right wing you know christian who's mm-hmm. with power or who's been caught up in forces what you're doing is both from a practice standpoint totally at odds with the life of jesus but also indicate certain theological heresies that that we have to correct you for right like yeah. within and within the family i think that makes sense i think that what chrissy the original poster i think is rightly getting at is in in outside of the family nobody gives a fuck you know yes. like, like yeah. it's outside of the family you're all the same right. and, and, and your so, actions
0: are all this caught up together yeah
1: right right and so to say to to try to play the inside game with outsiders isn't isn't going to fly and i think that that's true but i also think that it's um handled i also think that that despite the fact that that's true i think it also uh is inconsistent Mm -hmm. in in the way it's employed and i think that's that's always been sort of my struggle right like like with 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 the descriptive approach to christianity like On one hand, I agree. Yeah, we just have to reckon with the fact that some of these right wing politicians who are ghouls go to church, are baptized, you know, are are a part of our family, and therefore their judgment is our judgment. Like like in some sense we have to we have to accept that. On the other hand, though, like we don't really apply that, and this isn't a woe is me thing. I'm just pointing out that, that 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 kind of stuff isn't really applied uniformly across across all religious traditions and maybe it shouldn't be but but if it's not going to be applied uniformly across all religious traditions then we should admit that it's that it's a particular response to Christo fascism it's not a particular right. response to say um, Isis right or or yeah. um, uh, Zionist extremist Jews, or um, uh, or or nationalistic Hindus, or or stuff like that. It's not mm. we're not responding to them. We have we have an infinite capacity, at least on the left, to be and in liberal world to be able to differentiate between radical terrorists who describe themselves as Muslims and your local mosque. Like we have an infinite capacity to distinguish between the two. Mm.
0: And that's important. And, we and that's should. important.
1: I'm not saying we shouldn't. I, I think we should, but, but for, for other folks, for even that same group of folks who have the ability to distinguish between the two, there does not seem to be a lot of curiosity to distinguish between the two in Christian world. And maybe, maybe that's fine. Like Christians, you know, in the West have historically been in positions of power and, and, and maybe, maybe we just need to do that. Um, I'm just pointing out that there that the world is that, that, that in terms of Christianity, the overwhelming majority of Christians on this planet are neither white nor have power. And right. and and that's my problem. My problem is, in the end, to come after Christianity, which sometimes we need to come after Christianity without context is really what I'm trying to say. Yeah. To come after Christianity in the abstract is, in fact, to come after black and brown and poor people.
0: In because
1: reality. in 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 reality that's what it is. but that's not what folks are trying to do. what folks are what what the original poster and many others are trying to, to, to say is they're trying to critique a contextualized version of yeah. Christian people um, right it's just it's just that that doesn't land in the same way, right Nobody's coming at, nobody I shouldn't say nobody. Chrissy and folks who are sympathetic to that position are not necessarily coming after Martin Luther King Jr. Right? They're they're not coming after your local A.M.E. congregation. They're right. not coming after them, but that's mostly because um, I don't think, and I don't think those folks are trained to see those people as Western Christians. They're they're trained to see them as. In, in, other, in other identities and other capacities, which I think points to something else. That's my long rant of saying I have mixed emotions with the, with the post because I don't know what to, what to say exactly about it.
2: Yeah, And it's a very curious moment. There's a very curious line that um, a very small majority of what constitutes sort of Christians on the face of the planet, sort of broadly speaking, white religious right, as it were. Somehow are taken to be the baseline of
0: mm-hmm.
2: Protestants and Catholics over two thousand years.
0: Question right. right.
2: With no, with equally, uh, with you know, often very little awareness of Eastern Orthodox. Yeah. Versions yeah. of Christianity as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I so part of me wonders if um, the this is an evolution of. After 9-11, it, there was an, uh, that emphasis to say your local Muslim congregation is not Al-Qaeda. You know, like those are two mm. separate things. Uh, and if you're going to say that all Muslims are Al-Qaeda, then you need to say all Christians are the KKK. You know, they and there was an sure. emphasis to try to to bring together to remind us that like, Christians are not all good as well, you know, like Christians have that blood on their hands too. And I wonder if this is just kind of a continuation of that rhetoric. And I mean, like we were talking about way back at the beginning of our conversation, Steve, about how we forget that things that are recent are recent and how Mm. history is very different. The history of the church, even, even the existence of Christianity today is very different from Maybe what's depicted in large Western um, uh, news coverage, maybe Mm -hmm. what we who has the publishing power, you know, like most most Christian books are published by white people trying to export white Christianity to other places as a as a product of uh, the colonial period. And so uh, like. It is both an understandable mistake to make, but then as a Christian, as a person in power, you sound really whiny when you're like, well, actually Christians are like this, like because the harm is really being done. And that's that is, I think, the key part of it for me is that the harm is not perceived. The harm is not a pedantic difference. The harm is being done. And Mm -hmm. so I think we have an obligation regardless of how we want to define Christian, we have an obligation Mm -hmm. to counter the harm that's being done.
1: I agree with that. I I really do like, like, I think that that's what makes my relationship to this question and this post so complicated from internally, because of course, you know, of, of course, Christian, white Christianity in this country, whether in its most conservative forms or in its most benign liberal forms, has a lot to answer to and, and, and actively perpetuates harm. Black and Brown Christians also can do that too. But I I just want to point out that I don't think it's because of their Christianity. Like, like that's, that's Mm. what I'm trying to. It's like when it's like the, the, when folks kind of bring up the hundred years war in Europe as this, as this religious war. And, and I'm like, I know what you, I know why we say that. Like, of course, you know there are in in many formal ways but but it also but but to just sort of reduce it to that sort of fails to get at the multitude of complexities as to why people do anything you know yeah. and to to just sort of name it as well religion has caused this war is is pretty self-evidently untrue you know What what's the difference between a, a war that that religion fuels and a war that that and a war that hijacks religion to fuel it, you know, like like what is what, what I think those are two different things, um and and largely I think that the critiques because I think the critiques of religion, are, or the critiques of Christianity, are um are are ultimately a critique of white power, you know, a, a, a yes. critique of a critique of kind of a, a spiritualized theologized white power um but not everybody is aware of that distinction we en- they end up saying very weird things like well even though this say x village in africa is 99% christian they we don't recognize them as christian because they're just africans or or Whoa. you know or we don't even though um i don't know uh, uh mexico I- I- and many con- and many la- Latine countries uh have a great multitude of a of a synthetic uh um cath- catholicity and catholicism uh in which they take catholicism that they govern themselves with you know folk practices and and, and really turn something rich into their community they're not read as christians they're read as immigrants, lat, lat, you know, Latine mm-hmm. people, anything besides their religion. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the, the, and I think that's a failure of critique and a failure of, of, of understanding what's sort of at play here. Um, I was going to say something.
0: Think about it and let's see. So Steve, you are not as enmeshed in the American context as we are right now, in the US context as we are right now. Uh, how, how does all this strike you?
2: (laughs) Right. Um, it was, I mean, very interestingly, uh, with the most recent shooting in Texas, well, not the most recent anymore, but the, the news of it started going around and my brother actually reached out and said, so what, what's, what's, what's Scotland saying about this? Um, which is sometimes an unhelpful question because I can't speak for Scotland. I can speak for a bit of Edinburgh, which is a tiny bit of the central belt, which is itself quite distinct from the outlying regions of Edinburgh or the outlying regions of Scotland, right? Um, you know, but even in spite of that, while the news came about, I mean, there was almost more of the sense that I knew from people who were interacting with that news, more a. Um, kind of a pity because Mm -hmm. like in Scotland, there was a shooting in a school in a town called Dunblane, which is along a train line that I take to get here. Um, Or rather, you know, the, the train line concludes at Dunblane. And that was the major flashpoint from which a lot of more restrictive sort of gun uh, laws came into place. Mm -hmm. However, there is a detail that is missing. I think at least the, 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 on the the gun side of things that sort of has this thorny, uh, this thorny interaction where like the notion, the argument in favor of sort of having any gun that you could want uh, is for self-defense against the government. (laughs) It's not for hunting rights. And like, there's a fundamental miscommunication of two ships in the night on that one, which, I still have not seen being addressed really robustly within the news. Now, again, that's, that's slightly a distinction from just me being as distant as I am means that a lot of these conversations have not been occurring in the same way because there's such a radically different sense of uh, what's proper and right. that means that there's different problems that are happening here within like the state and the place of religion in the public space.
1: hmm
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wonder about like we we're talking about before with um guns and the cross bo- both being seen as um things that liberate us or that challenge, you know, oppressive powers. Um, um yeah, that uh, there's not you would you would maybe expect um or hope that Christians would say um actually like what my religion does is frees me from the need to have defenses against the government. Right. Like Paul was eventually beheaded. Um, But that's also like in the in the tradition of of Christian history. Of course, that's not what we think. Right. Of course, that's not how how we function. Uh, And weeding that out, if indeed that's something that we need to weed out, you know, like you go all the way back to just war theory, you end up thinking about Niebuhr, you think about should Christians use the power they have? Um, and if we allow Christians to use the power they have to achieve their ends, why wouldn't we expect that other sects of Christianity that have other focuses than than liberal Protestants would use their power to then go achieve their ends? And if we're allowed to do it for us, why shouldn't they be allowed to? And the answer is harm, right? They're they're doing harmful things, but can can we? Um, systematize the prevention of harm in terms of deciding what theology is good and helpful and what Christians should be allowed to do.
1: Hmm. I mean, even that if Niebuhr were here, he he would say, you know, even taking it down that road, he would he would say, well, you're assuming that the church should have power. It should have power to enforce its rules, provide consequences and boundaries and parameters for folks who are, you know, are within it. And and Niebuhr would say, me too. You know, I, I also think the church should have that power. I don't know. It's, I think it's curious. I think it's, I don't think you can get around power, right? I remember, Joe, having a conversation with you on the podcast after, not really, a, kind of about this, but not really about this, like like uh, talking about the, the way in which theological and religious claims should or should not you know play a part in American politics because we were responding to Trump's um at the time Trump's saying that the churches need to open and who cares about COVID and yada 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 and Nancy Pelosi had just or Elizabeth Warren had just quoted Matthew 25 right as as a reason behind some of her policies and I was like and I was like is that wrong? Like, should, should Elizabeth Warren have done that? You know, that she might believe in it. It might, it might fuel her reasons for having these policies, but how is that any different than, than Trump making a theological claim about church, you know, for, for why churches need to be open and creating a policy doing that. We, I think, I think it points to liberal or left-leaning Christians, you know, in this country, um, their uh tension that we live in all the time that COVID has really exacerbated which is we believe and trust when dorothy day and william stringfellow and and mlk and cone tell us do not trust the government the government is 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 actively oppressing black folks it's actively oppressing poor folks the system is, is rotten all the way down and we trust that but we also need to distribute vaccines to people we need, right. to combat, we need to combat climate change you know and and we and the only way those things can happen is by amassing political power and and having political power in place to make all of that happen we can say well the church can do it when simply the church cannot do it
0: No. And would be ineffective at it. And I wouldn't trust them to.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Like, like the church, the church is dog shit at climate change. And so we shouldn't be doing it. Uh, The church, the church should not be administering vaccines. We will get people sick, you know, like (laughs) like, that is not what should be happening. Um, But those are like the two things that I think we're, we're constantly in tension over Um, as particularly as left-leaning Christians for right, for maybe right-wing Christians. It's not that complicated. Like, of course, we can't trust the government, you know, except when we control it. Then we can trust the government. Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I, oh gosh, I, I you I agree with you aggressively, Ethan. I have either of you read Miroslav Volf's um, "A Public Faith"? I think it's his book. Is this Volf? I know
1: the name. I haven't read it though.
0: I'm I'm currently reading it, and he his. He's also writing in like a post nine eleven 11 context um, trying to discern what, what a public faith that also participates in a public good can look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about malfunctions of Christianity because he's a Christian theologian. Like that's, that's what he writes about and talks about the ways in which Christians uh, – uh, use their their religion to coerce is a malfunction of the faith. Like the correct functioning of the faith is is maybe to persuade, but but you cannot tell. People who are following truly following a religion to keep their religion in their houses of worship, right? If you're right. truly following a religion, it's shaping every part of you. What we have to figure out is how your religion can shape you, but also be a part of the public good rather than public coerciveness. This is a major simplification and I'm not done with the book yet, but that's kind of the idea that I'm working with. How does that strike y'all?
1: I like that. You know, uh, the... Th- all of the different models for Christian public engagement Mm. that are like kind of that people really like, or are really darling to people or are new or to people, I think, I think always fail to cultivate the virtues that are needed for Christians to, to be like productive, active participants in the common good. Like, I think this Mm. is, I think Ooh, how,
0: Steve made a face in response to that. I'm interested I, to hear.
1: I do think so. I think this to a degree. So like I think about somebody like Stanley Hauerwas. And I think that Hauerwas, um, even though Hauerwas's project is all about the cultivation of Christian virtue and community and is all about, you know, this 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 kind of rereading of maybe an Anabaptist sense of ecclesiology, I think it practically leads to resentment. I don't think it, I don't think it leads to uh, a properly ordered Christian virtues in the world. I think that we can perhaps say that if, if the goal is for the church to be a totally separate entity from the world, then there might be a sense in which Howard Wass's like vision can achieve that. But um, I don't think that's possible. I think the church is simply a part of the world and, and there's, there's really not a way around it and let without, without lying, without like failing to describe the truth, right? Like unless I still have to shop at a grocery store or shop at a farmer's market, or do a whole number mm-hmm. of things in order to live in the world. And so I'm constantly being formed by all of these matrixes of communities and forces and stuff like that to claim that the church should be the only place where I am formed is, is I think a, as, as I think misguided. But not only is it misguided, I think it leads to and has cultivated a sense of resentment. And I think that you cannot do democracy with resentment. Like I don't think you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, case in point, the religious right in our country—you know—who, where, where, like, they can't, it, filled with resentment over the idea that their ideas, nobody likes their ideas, nobody wants their sense of of, of family values, nobody wants their their vision for for government, and so they just force it on us you know why because fuck you you know that's why like not for any sense of the common good um and so yeah i don't know exactly where i was going with that because i think i lost the thread but that's uh that's that's what i'm gonna say and i'm gonna stick to it i'm sure it connects as we go back and listen
2: or or maybe in part even that uh the, this, the, that motion is them saying, oh, well, if you won't do it, then we'll force it, force it on you. Um, could be also an expression of like, you are just so gone awry that you can't even see the good right now. So we need to sort of lead this particular horse to water. Um, like there's, there's an element to which that I could see that being an uncritically accepted notion sort of beneath why this is the case. And right. equally uncomfortably, I can see that played out from the other side as well, <laughs> <laughs> which is that same paradox we start to sort of hit on. And I mean, in, in part, I, an eyebrow kicked up when you mentioned that word productivity. Uh, <laughs> <No. I'll laughs> because, yeah, I yeah. do have this and I've had this this uh, that's been a bugbear of mine for a long time now and, and ever more increasingly so about the very harmful ways in which kind of a sort of Protestant work ethic has driven us towards maximalizing even our downtime to be productive in one way or another. Um, when, you know, it's sort of like I, I said earlier to somebody else, uh, a coworker of mine, I said something along the lines of how like, you know, I, I'm struck at sometimes the way in which people in this context are busy. And I mean, busy as a term of like spiritual illness mm. that sometimes perhaps indeed what need be done is to stop and the cessation of activity, not necessarily because uh, you know, I'm, I'm ultimately thinking we need to be navel gazing, right? Because I think navel gazing is itself an aberration of the contemplative sort of motion trajectory moment Mm. however it is in the stillness or in that uh what what i think bishop baron at least has said i don't know who he's quoting said that uh or remarked once that silence is a magnifier of the soul (laughs) so when you are in a non-busy non-noisy state is when you start to notice or can start to notice what is bubbling up inside you and what is being magnified there what is the thing that is being brought to the fore that might be controlling you without you knowing it. And we can take that minimally to think about individuals and in our own patterns. And we can think about that maximally to do with groups and how groups cooperate together or don't with other groups. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and what strikes me of that too is that so much of politics in the United States right now is, uh, there's no silence, right? There's no time to rest. You are constantly being fed in either direction. Um, the thing you need to be panicked about, the thing you need to be worried about. Um, and and while I think often on the left, it is, it's overwhelming because there's so much hurt and we're all now naming hurt in ways that we haven't been named before.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but also like I'm sure that there's there are there are negative ways this is happening too I just don't keep myself in that circle on the right a lot of the time it I almost feel like it is busyness that is stopping you from like evaluating what's happening and it's it's the same thing of like there there are hurts happening there are harms happening um is is how the rhetoric goes but i I don't know how harmful any of those harms or hurts actually are, and if they're connected to to um and this is me as a liberal you know saying my things if they're connected to reality but i i do genuinely think that like it's noise it is it's the endless talk but the endless talk that stops you from figuring out what's being born in you but also um that wears others down that like creates political power that is actually an effective strategy i mean that's that's part of it is that um for all that we want to say all that we want to push back against these people is as real Christians or people who are following Christ or, or whatever. The fact is that like the strategy is effective. I mean, the, the people are identifying as evangelicals without going to church because it's now a political identity, but there are more people, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. they are grabbing in groups that have not been connected to the church previously. And if that's our goal, man, like that's the thing. And uh, yeah, I, and there's just not space for a really intelligent critique of all of this because, again, the harm is being done and there are people who are ignoring the harm because they don't want to look at it. Um, and so then we can't have a conversation like this about it in the public square because because it's too noisy, because we're too busy, because we're too panicked. You know, like mm-hmm. there's there's not the space for it. And if you try to create a space for it, noise just comes in anyway. And that's part of the public square now being, you know, Twitter and Facebook and TikTok, you know, like the public square is not a place you can go to be. It is a place that you are sold to. So capitalism strikes again. I don't know. That's what that's what I get out of it. Do do we think that I have gone off the rails or not?
2: No, I don't don't think so. I mean, but it's also it's the same paradox I see within Sort of Christian liturgy, or at least Protestant liturgy, often is that like if the thing that is needed is silence, and I mean that in a quite sort of abstract, large way. If what is needed is a chance to, on a very brute level, be in a big old building that puts you outside of your own century
0: hmm. and
2: keeps you, and and maybe opens the door for you to think about not even something outside your own century, but outside your own. Space-time continuum, <laughs> um, uh, right? If that is what is needed, why is it so hard to have silence in a church service? <laughs> Ooh. Right, yep, and yep, the, yep. I mean this is partly my own me reflecting off of the, the predominantly Church of Scotland services I've been to, where there is a sense, in a sense for me at least, that it is quite wordy, like the prayers of intercession often have quite a lot of text to them, even while being written principally because they are written every week. You know, they're written anew every week. There's not a sort of set. Pray for X, pray for Y, pray for Z. Um, and yeah, I wonder, I think there is a disservice being done that more churches are not trying to pull on these reserves we have of the silence traditions and the way in which that there is... there is. Um, there's formation happening there equally as there's formation happening in your active life. Yeah. You're being formed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's often Ethan's point. And I think that's the one that we, that we forget, you know, we talk about how people are being radicalized on the right, but like, Everybody's being formed and shaped by something, whether you're whether you're being radicalized or not, you are being shaped. And just because we're aware of what radicalization looks like does not mean we're always aware of the everyday ways that we're shaped by things. Mm-hmm. I mean, to go back to like the dispossessed from the the very beginning of our conversation, like it, it takes uh, somebody who has grown up in a full on socialist society to then come to a capitalist society and be like, oh, this is not normal, you know?
2: Would you say it takes somebody who is holy other?
0: Oh, that was good. That was good. That was good. I think we have to sign off on that one. <laughs> thanks for coming on, Steve. This is good. Sorry we didn't talk about changing churches or whatever. But no, I know think- this is great.
1: Thanks. I loved it. Yeah, loads of fun.
0: Yeah. Ethan, you want to sign us off?
1: I can. Friends, thanks for listening. This has been an episode of What the Hell is a Pastor? We are Ethan and Joe and Steve. And we will see you next time.
0: The Hell is a Pastor is a part of the Disruptive Disciples Podcast Network. Our theme song is written by Joe Showmolf, performed by Joe Showmolf, Ian Uriola, and Paul Uriola, and produced by Paul Uriola. Email us at wtheckisapastor at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at facebookcom Disruptive Disciples, on Twitter at wthiap, and on Patreon at patreoncom wthiap where you can get access to pillow talk, merch, sign cards, custom essays, and so much more. Thanks for listening, and take care of one another, friends.